This, the Chad and Cheese podcast, brought to you in partnership with TA Tech. TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Visit tatech.org. Okay, Joel, quick question. Yep. What happens when your phone vibrates or your texting alert goes off? <laughs> Dude, I pretty much check it immediately. And I bet everyone listening is reaching to check their phones right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I call it our Pavlovian dog reflex to text messaging. Yeah, that's probably why text messaging has a freaking 97% open rate. What? Crazy high candidate response rate within the first hour alone. Which are all great reasons why the Chad and Cheese podcast love text to hire from Next. Love it. Yep, that's right. Next with the double X. Not the triple X. So if you're in talent acquisition, you want true engagement and great ROI. That stands for return on investment, folks. And because this is the Chad and Cheese podcast, you can try your first text to hire campaign for just 25% off. Boom. So how do you get this discount? You're asking yourself right now. Tell them, Chad. It's very simple. You go to chadcheese.com. And you click on the next logo in the sponsor area. Easy. No long URL to remember. Yeah. Just go where you know. Chadcheese.com and next with two X's. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Welcome to a special edition of the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm Joel Cheeseman. And I'm Chad Sowash. Um, on today's exclusive podcast, we have Anoop Gupta on the show. Anoop, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Chad and Cheese. You bet, you bet. Give us a little bit about you and your history because it is pretty cool. And tell us a little bit about your country company <laughs> before we before we drop into the... Uh, sorry, I was reading a, a Trump article before I read this. Um, <laughs> Tell us about your company, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into some Q&A. <laughs> okay, so I'll start with the country. I came to the United States in 1980 to do my PhD in computer science at Carnegie Mellon. And after that, I spent 11 years on the faculty of Stanford University. I did my first startup there, which Microsoft acquired in '97. Then 18 years at Microsoft, including some really fun roles as reporting to Bill Gates as his technology advisor, running all of the business communication services there. And then two years ago, I uh, decided to resign and start SeekOut uh, with my co-founder, who was one of the key movers and shakers behind the Bing search engine. And what SeekOut is about is talent identification, you know, that helps talent acquisition teams hire faster and with higher quality candidates. Some of the things we really emphasize are companies that are looking for diversity and that have deep interests in uh, tech talent. So SeekOut's unique algorithms and custom filters helps high-tech companies identify uh, diverse talent for those hard-to-fill 
roles. We have something very special for GitHub, our aggregated and enhanced GitHub profiles. And Intuitive Search helps companies find untapped tech talent. And we have a unique insights feature uh, that gives you insights on the competitive landscape and allows recruiters to become talent advisors in support of the hiring managers. So all a pretty powerful stuff uh, that I'd love to share more about as we go on. So let me get this straight. Let me get this straight real quick, Anoop. So you reported to, probably talked to Bill Gates on a daily basis. Then you move to the recruiting technology space and you have to, you're talking to a couple of idiots like us. Is that how this worked out? No, not exactly. <laughs> Did you confer with a psychiatrist or a shrink before making such a move? <laughs> so, you know, I did spend several hours a day with Bell during the couple of years I reported to him. And it was, you know, I just learned so much from hearing the questions he would ask and how he would prepare and what he would do. Now, my move into the talent space uh, is somewhat circuitous. What we started with, given my deep messaging background, is how to make sure, you know, we are all going outside our immediate circles to find, you know, whether it's our careers or whatever else. So we created a messaging system that will let people who want to seek attention like recruiters and people who want to provide attention uh, like candidates have a much more fruitful exchange than today. We look at LinkedIn as the middleman where they control who we can see unless we pay them. They control who we can message unless we pay them. And there is no fair exchange between the buyers and the sellers. So that's where we started with. And then as we learned more, we said, this is such a noble mission, right? Means we spend so much of our lives at the workplace and what we do, who we work with, what impact we make is deeply meaningful and defines purpose for us. So what better to do to allow people to make better matches and get them hired in the right places? What activities did you do at Microsoft that you've carried over to the new company? I mean, did you were you hands-on on recruiting or was it just sort of, you know, you were there on the wall? Did anything come from that experience in 18 years of Microsoft that is is currently in the Seekout product? So what is relevant there is, you know, my role was as a hiring manager and, you know, my team in Unified Communications when I was running that was around 1,600 people. So when you're as a hiring manager, you want to say, what are the things I'm interested in that the recruiters are not doing? What are the kinds of conversations that should happen between a recruiter or a sourcer and the hiring manager? So a lot of the product and particularly this people insights piece that I've talked about is that hiring manager recruiter relationship and how data can lead to much more useful conversations and productive conversations than just saying, hey, tell me more about this role. So now that Microsoft owns LinkedIn, uh, and then you've got this, I, I would say somewhat of a competitor to LinkedIn, how does that actually, how does that work in the market? I mean, do you see Microsoft trying to prospectively compete and or create a seek out type of uh, platform or, or are you really just uh, 
possibly showing them a new way to go and prospectively get acquired. And have they offered to buy the company yet? No, they have not offered to buy <laughs> the company yet. See, this is a huge space that is there on how we discover talent, how we communicate with them. And we are taking, you know, a look at it from a broader landscape. The thing I like to say is, you know, the CV, as we put it, with past position titles in education is a very limited representation of who a person is, who a candidate is. So when we, in the case of GitHub, look across 60 million repositories and bring out the contributions that a particular person has made and the hiring manager can look at that code in an instant and decide whether it is you know, good, bad versus just a 15-minute interview. So bringing this unique information beyond just a LinkedIn resume into the candidate's profile and making it very easily searchable and then being able to reach candidates, I think is make us makes us special and in some ways complementary and something long term we think even LinkedIn ought to be doing. Anoop, is it fair to put the Intellos, the hiring solved, uh, Namiri, those companies, would you count them as a competitor? Uh, yes, uh, you know, Intello is used in a similar way and hiring solve too. We think we bring some very unique capabilities compared to all of these companies. Uh, but yes, we are in the same space. And what would some of those unique qualities be for, for our viewers who largely know, our listeners largely know who Intello and some of these players are? How are you different? So we are different. One is in terms of how we do GitHub and how we let people find talent there. So if you look at an Intello and many of these other uh, search engines, you look at a profile and then there will be the GitHub symbol. So you can go to the GitHub profile. And very often when you go there, you'll find nothing useful there. Instead, we let you start from the GitHub side. We built an aggregated profile that has the public information that people often search with, you know, current company, current title, past company, past title skills. But we also bring in information from the GitHub profile. We bring in information from each, you know, we will tell you this person was the number 10th contributor to the TensorFlow Google um you know, which is Google's machine learning framework that is there. So we'll bring out their contributions. We will bring out their email. So we bring together information that nobody else does. GitHub is a totally unique solution on how we let you source on Seekout. Similarly, you know, the people insights piece that we have, where you can use 20 filters to control, you know, what is the competitive or the candidate talent pool landscape you want to look at. Uh, nobody else provides that in that flexible and uh, powerful way. So diversity, we and Intello are very similar. You might have seen a source gone paper by Phil Hendrickson. Uh, so we are pretty similar. But I believe Intello and us are the only two people who are doing the deep analysis on diversity and, uh, you know, letting you search and filter in powerful ways. So we'll get to we'll get into diversity here in a minute, but but when you take a look at the actual platform, uh, obviously at Seekout has, would you classify it more as a proactive, where a recruiter has to jump into the system and actually do a search against skill sets and job descriptions and and 
prereqs versus a reactive system that reacts to what your needs are when you post uh, an actual requisition into your system? Um, so it is um, a search tool primarily for passive candidates. Uh, you know, who may not be looking. So we are not like Monster or something where people have just said, you know, hey, uh, right now I'm looking for a job or a position. Within that, you know, there is a lot of judgment that is there on equivalent skill sets. And, um, uh, you know, so it is a place where people come to search. But we have built in some pretty cool AI machine learning capabilities inside that. For example, if you were to say, you know, you're looking to hire a data scientist for Facebook. So what we do behind the scenes is we look at everybody who's currently a data scientist at Facebook. Then we look at what were their past companies, what were their past titles, what were their universities, what were their majors, what are their skills. And we can automatically us, you know, surface people for you. And then with a single click, you say, show me African-American candidates that'll be suitable, and we'll bring those up. It's very, very powerful. We call this the position magnet uh, in CCAP. So that's where the diversity piece comes in, where you can actually do a deep search uh, against backgrounds, per se, and then you have it broken out with, I would say, gender as well as race and perspective, veteran status and, and those types of things. Yes, exactly. That is true. And we do pretty complex things. So just see, you know, uh, to use as example, our African-American filter. So we used, um, you know, historically black colleges and universities. Uh, we use African-American sororities and fraternities. If you're a member, we use membership in organizations like National Society of Black Engineers or National Black Accountants Associations. We also look at the Census Bureau and turns out that certain names are much more likely to be African-American. And we also use that information. So these are fairly sophisticated, you know, queries that we look at index time to surface Candidates. This is not a perfect, um, you know, filter or analysis by any chance, but it can be super helpful to recruiters. You talk some about AI, which obviously you have some, some, you know, some experience in working at Microsoft. We talk a lot about on the show in terms of automation. Um, a lot of companies out there are trying to create an easy button, if you will, for recruiting, right? Like I need a PHP developer with five to eight years experience in Seattle, go. And it goes out to the web, searches people, brings them back, pre-screens them with a chat bot. Um, your product does not do that. Are you against that piece of the business? Um, is automation going to be a part of the, the product? Like what are just some of your general senses on that? So the first thing I would say is, you know, AI is a term that is, I believe, overused. Uh, it certainly has a space. <laughs> it is important, but a lot of it is what I call data science, right? So it means if you say, hey, I'm looking for a Python developers, here equivalents. So, you know, you can parse out and extract key terms from AJD. 
You can look at the previous developers who might be at the company who have a certain skill set, and then you can get a lot of synonyms. So all of that is AI, and it is useful in surfacing candidates, though I would never de-emphasize the you know, human additional initiative that might be required. The second thing is when you are reaching out to candidates. Um, I think it can be helpful, but my belief is smaller number of candidates, more personalized is always better. I'm going to take a actually slight tangent and talk to you about, you know, the Google recently showed the duplex uh, demo. Sure. At the Google, right, where the AI and the bot is going and talking and making a representation. Um, Oren Etzioni, who is the you know CEO of the Allen Institute of Brain Sciences, had a very interesting comment on that. He said, this is terrible, not because it's making it, but it should self-identify as a bot. So when it starts the conversation, it should say, I'm a bot representing a noob. I would like to make a appointment, uh, you know, with the hairdresser. Because the consequences, if we don't identify what is AI and what is human and what we might, you know, reveal, can be very, very bad. So, yes, automation can be useful, should be used, but how to ethically use it is very important. Well, I mean, on the front end, though, you can you can fix that pretty easy, right? Hi, this is Chad's Google Assistant looking to make a a hair appointment. That's a funny one. Um, so, I mean, yeah. that's not a big change. It's not a big change, right? I mean, that could be something that would be implemented fairly easy. Oh, oh the implementation wise, wide, um, why is it as easy? I totally agree. I think what people are trying to do is they're trying to fake. So, you know, nobody says when you uh, in Entello use their automation to send out 50 emails, this is the Entello bot on behalf of company XYZ reaching out to you because the person will ignore it. <laughs> they try and fake it as it's not a bot. Yeah. And there are some branding implications there too, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm all for technology and intelligence and automation, mm -hmm. but I am also, um, you, you know, want us to be cautious about not trying to fake it and fool people because it can have very bad brand consequences. Yeah, transparency-wise, yeah, there's no question. There's no question there. Anoop, you've probably watched uh, or heard about the the Q legal battle with LinkedIn and being able to scrape content, profile data, et cetera, which I'm assuming will affect your business quite drastically um, if LinkedIn wins that case and sort of excludes spiders from getting data from them. And, and I don't, I don't know much about GitHub in terms of how aggressively they uh, are against bots. It sounds like they're not so much, but I'm just curious your thoughts on, on that, that legal battle, uh, things that you're doing to sort of prepare if, if the worst case scenario happens and what it means for the sort of the scraping profile business in general. So what we are for is, you know, this is an area where you're trying to get, you know, jobs to candidates. This is your public professional profile that is there and our belief that data 
and LinkedIn will claim so, belongs to the end user and not really to LinkedIn. And the same in a lot of other papers, you know, what research papers they have published, what open source contributions they have made. These belong to the end user rather than to any company. So I am very optimistic both where the courts are going to go and the availability of such information to allow recruiters to make more intelligent decisions, you know, to help find candidates and offer them great opportunities, you know, to find purpose and do great stuff and have impact. So we're talking about all of not just LinkedIn, but we're also talking about Facebook, right? I mean, there's a lot of optics behind this right now. And and I appreciate, uh, you know, the, the, the hope that, that, uh, Haikyuu comes out on top. But don't you think from an optics standpoint right now that, uh, the, the landscape is or the market is very hypersensitive? to privacy. No, I agree. And I believe the market should be sensitive. But if you look at GDPR and you look at, you know, EU US Privacy Shield, uh, they have a number of clauses, the kind of information and the use of that information, the purpose for which that information is being used. Actually, they are being pretty smart. Mm about that. Every EU citizen has a right to employment. So to say, don't use my public profile data, okay, Uh for that is a very unreasonable thing. And I don't think they will go for that. But if you're to use their, you know, posts on Facebook to determine you know, they had a certain personality type and they shouldn't be hired or, or, or you know, some other implications. Uh, I think the EU and the American <laughs> companies and citizens won't like that. So it is a very nuanced mm-hmm. landscape. And I agree with the sensitivity part, sensitivity part that you're saying. But I think we have to handle the nuance um yeah, as it is and deal with it. Okay. So that being said, are you spinning Seek Out? Is, is, is Seek Out actually going in the direction of being an engagement type of marketing platform as well? Since you've got so much data, um, you're looking at trying to have better interactions and experience. Would you, are you guys looking to go down that road? So we are planning to ship in the next couple of weeks that if you organize people in a project, let's say for a particular job role, you can reach out to those candidates uh, via Seekout, or you may decide to use a CRM system, but many people have very old CRM systems or no CRM systems at all. Um, The reason is that, you know, sending just one email is not a way to get high response rate. You know, I get so many emails and I have to ping Joel many times before I get a response. <laughs> Joel does not use email well. So, Smoke signal only. So being um, able to, you know, manage such a campaign and remind people, I think is a very useful capability that we will be providing in the very near future. So that being said, and knowing that email really response rates on emails suck comparatively when we talk about text, 
messaging, those types of things, Facebook Messenger? Are you looking at prospectively trying to wrap those into your your communications system as well? We have not thought much about it. You know, the issue that comes up is more telephony. Should we be texting people, calling people? Just from my own personal experience, I would be pretty annoyed if somebody, you know, just called me out of the blue. And, you know, even if I would have been interested, it'll create a bad uh, impression for me and probably, you know, true for many of the tech candidates. I uh, imagine the number of calls and messages they get in mails. And if all of those were texts and phone calls, you know, their life would be hell. So, <laughs> but, you know, we should be open to whatever is the way to respectfully reach them. Uh, we should allow them to do. Anup, what should we expect in sort of your space and your, your sphere of competition, right? Um, do you expect more consolidation? Do you expect more competitors uh, to launch? Like what does the future hold for sort of this um, sourcing software uh, category? I think both things will happen. Many new startups will launch and we will see consolidation too on you know the small number of companies that really have the deeper technology. You get a lot of people who have very shallow stacks and just want to offer you, you know, something. And I think those will disappear. People, I hope, like ourselves who bring uh, deep technology and value and simplicity and intuitiveness to the product, hopefully will get much wider adoption by the community. And who knows, you know, there may be consolidation there. So, being new to this industry, what is really the, the most surprising thing that you've seen thus far coming, obviously, with your, your technology background, now coming into the recruitment industry, recruitment technology industry, what surprised you the most? One of the things that surprised me is the emphasis on free and not wanting to pay for tools. <laughs> you, 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 you know, what, what I, I'll use an analogy. When I was in grad school, I worked on CAD tools, right? How you design these VLSI large integrated circuit chips. And I wrote one of the programs that was very popular for almost a decade uh, that was there. But at that time, we were designing you know, chips with 10,000 transistors. And now we design chips with 10 billion transistors. So for engineering, humanity is about tools and powerful tools expanding our capabilities. And people still want to say, my time is not valuable. I want to spend, you know, 15 minutes trying to find an email for somebody else or trying to search or try to use 20 different things. So that surprised me a little that people are not it seemed almost they were not valuing their time. I think being able to do stuff without the tools is a very powerful skill set mm-hmm. that they should have. But investment in tools that empowers us, increases our productivity, mm-hmm. is something we ought to be doing. And, and I was a little surprised by that in the community. So, yes. And then this is what I've been saying for years, Anoop. Free is not a strategy. And that being said, way over... Into the next question, what's the price? What does it actually cost to, to, to engage with, uh, seek out and start to use this very powerful tool? And do you have any special deals for our valued Ooh, listeners? Special deals. <laughs> 
<laughs> so uh, we offer both monthly and annual prices, and there are three SKUs. We have a basic for $1,000 for the whole year, a premium one, which gives you diversity and insights for $2,500 a year, and a premium tech, which includes GitHub for $5,000 a year, and they're equivalent monthly prices, uh, you know, too. Uh, we think, you know, even if you make one hire using the tool, it'll cover the annual price. But I do have a very great special for this special chat and cheese audience uh, that is there. If you buy Seek Out in the next month, in the next 30 days, and you mention the chat and cheese podcast, uh, when you reach out to you, to us, we'll give you an additional 10% off. <laughs> gotta, gotta love it. Gotta I dig love it. it. I dig it. Anoop, I got one yeah. more. I want to. I want to hear a funny Bill Gates story. If you don't have a funny story, drop us like a Bill Gates piece of wisdom on us. So, so one is, um, you know, Bill is a really funny guy. You might think of him from everything that you see is a lot of serious stuff. Uh-huh. But when you're in meetings with him, he'll make you laugh and he'll crack, crack jokes left and right. I'll tell you more, though, about a, a piece of wisdom in terms of, you know, his his strategy. So once I was, you know, sitting with him and I think the foundation was just starting and I asked him, you know, it's really hard to decide where to spend money and, um, you know, you know what you're going to invest in. So the first thing is I don't invest in white man's, uh, you know, ailments. Uh, and that is because there's enough incentive otherwise for the pharma companies to do it. So what is important to me to make my money count is to invest in areas where the rest of the community is not investing. And that's why he chose vaccines, you know, where in fact a lot of drugs already existed. And, um, uh, you know, just the, the economic incentives were not there to produce them at volume. And the Gates Foundation has done that and saved millions of lives. Mm-hmm. And so the big lesson is in terms of being very deliberative about seeing what are the gaps, what are the holes, what can your limited resources, because even Bill Gates' resources are nowhere near compared to what the nation spend and the pharma companies spend to say how I can make a big difference. So find a need and fill it, basically. Yeah, find a need that is being underserved and then see if you have the right talents or the right resources, go and fill it. Excellent. Awesome. Well, Noop, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Please yeah. tell please tell the fine listeners where they can find out more about SeekOut. So they should go to https colon slash seekout.io. So that is our website. You can learn a lot about that. And Chad and Joel, thank you so much for having me on the pod- podcast. You, it's Anoop. been wonderful. Thank you, Anoop. You, you can tell you can tell he's he's incredibly technical. <laughs> he started all the way at the HTTPS. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, make sure that secure URL is mentioned. We appreciate that. Thanks, Anoop. <laughs> Thanks, Anoop. Hey, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Okay, 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 okay. Before we go, remember when I asked you about the whole reflex and check your text messages thing? Yeah, you know all about reflexes. Uh, and then I br- <laughs> brilliantly tied it to text messages, 97% open rate. Then I elegantly 
elegantly <laughs> tied it to a better experience for your candidates. <laughs> Don't laugh, Chad. I can be elegant. Can't I? Whatever, man. I know it's redundant. You already heard about text to hire, but you're still not using text to hire from next. What? I, I know, man. Come on, man. Since advertising takes repetition to soak in, I just thought I'd remind you again, this was all by elegant design. It's all about text to hire and it's all about next. And elegant design. So go to chadcheese.com, click on the next logo and get 25, yeah, I said 25% off your first text to hire campaign. Engage better, use text to hire from next. Two X's. Booyah. Thanks to our partners at TA Tech, the Association for Talent Acquisition Solutions. Remember to visit tatech.org. This has been the Chat and Cheese Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. And be sure to check out our sponsors because they make it all possible. For more, visit chadcheese.com. Oh yeah, you're welcome. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.